all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. Hallelujah. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. We are in a series of teachings called Epic, and uh, we're going to jump right in today. Let's say this together. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. Just lift your hand. Let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind Hallelujah. Remain standing. One scripture we're going to look at, Colossians chapter 2, New Testament, Colossians chapter number 2. We're in a series of teachings, rather, called Epic, Small Things, Big Difference. While you're flipping, say small things, big difference. Most people pay attention to the door, but don't pay attention to the hinges that the door swings on. And so what happens is it doesn't matter how nice of a door you have if the hinges are jacked up. Because the door is not going to be able to fulfill what it was created to do. And so in this series, we've been addressing small things. Say small things that make a big difference. All right, so we're going to go another further than that today. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 7. It says this, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. But please understand, that, that's why some of the darkness you've experienced in your life is connected to this verse. Because roots are in dirt. And the dirt is dark. You know, hear what I'm saying? Uh, If you're really honest with your life, the places where you really have the greatest growth haven't been on your mountaintops. It's been in your valleys. You didn't learn how to pray when great things happened. You learned how to pray when all hell was breaking loose and you thought to yourself, how in the world am I going to deal with this? Touch your neighbor and say, you've been rooted. You're being rooted. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught. Here's the last part of what we're going to deal with today. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Say, I am thankful. Father, we honor you and bless you today for your word. I decrease now that you might increase. I declare that as we move in this, that we would apply this small thing that would make a big difference in our lives. Father, you have created us not to be average, but to be epic. You did not die an epic death and have an epic resurrection for us to have a miserable existence here. You died so that we would have life and life more abundantly. And today, anything opposing life and life more abundantly, we serve it. Notice that it's got to go. Depression has to go. Discouragement has to go. Defeat has to go. 
go. Lack has to go. Out of control children have to go. Dysfunctional families have to go. It has to end today because you died an epic death and had an epic resurrection so that we can live an epic life. And we refuse to settle for anything less. Somebody shout, I refuse to settle for anything less. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Do me a favor as you take your seat. Tell five, two or three people around you and tell them, say thank you. Say thank you. <clears throat> you can be seated. Uh, the word epic, as we've learned throughout this series, means heroic or grand in scale and character to be impressive and remarkable. Say, I was created to be grand, impressive, and remarkable. Now, please do not confuse uh, uh, a firm understanding of who God has created us to be uh, with overestimating what it is that we are. We are not uh, advocating pride. We are advocating awareness. The awareness is in that God died so that we can live a life that would tell a story. In fact, the word epic means to be a song or to be a word. And we learned last week that the Apostle Paul said that we are living epistles. That means we are living words or letters that are being written to people. The only Bible some people are going to read is you. Which means it is important that you live a victorious life because if they're going to ever serve your God, they need to know that you serving your God is working for you. Don't tell me about how your God's a healer and you sick all the time. Don't tell me about how great your God is when it comes to financial breakthrough and you broke all the time. Just your neighbor say, I'm moving to epic. I'm moving to epic. So to be epic then, we must live intentionally instead of experimentally. Please understand, most people live life by throwing stuff up against the wall and hoping that it sticks. But that's not been working out for nobody. Matter of fact, truth be told, you're so sick of experimenting. That's what brought you to church today. Because you said, this one thing I know. I only got 10 witnesses right there. But please understand, whenever you're building in life, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, please understand, when, when, when the, the, the planes hit the Twin Towers, uh, we are in the month and getting ready to end the month of September. But uh, some years ago, when the planes hit the Twin Towers, what was built on the foundation failed, but the foundation didn't. You didn't hear what I just said. And some of you, life, everything you had been building, some, in a minute for some of you, it just was knocked out. But you discovered that at rock bottom, there was the rock that was at the bottom, and his name was Jesus. Some of you, you're in here today, and the reality is you may not know all of this and know all of that, but you do know that there's a God that is alive, and that's what woke me up this morning. That's what got me in this church. Some of you ain't been to church in years, but you're here because you know that he is the foundation and he is the now, now watch this please understand to, uh, to be epic say I'm epic we must live intentionally instead of experimentally. Now, we, we can't just keep throwing stuff against the wall and hoping that it sticks. And to do this, we, we begin applying small things that make a big difference. So in week one, we talked about creating an epic culture for an epic life. Your culture is very important to the trajectory of your life. Your vision, goals, values, dreams mean absolutely nothing if your culture is not conducive to seeing those things happen. It doesn't matter that you want to be rich when you think broke. It doesn't matter that you want to be healed when you think sick. It doesn't matter that you want to have function when your culture is dysfunctional. You cannot become what you do not behold. Uh, this week two, we talked about a God first life. Please understand, being a Christian doesn't mean that God's first. Being a Christian means that you pray to prayer. Uh, uh, putting God first now then gives you the benefits that come with God being first. And last week, uh, we borrowed the mantra of the Atlanta Falcons and we said, rise up. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm rising up. Now, this week's small thing that makes a big difference and something that most of us were taught as children, uh, if somebody did something nice for you, you were taught as a child, say, 
Good. Come on, y'all. But then, look, I thought the 915 was going to leave me hanging. Ain't y'all all right? Watch this now. And now, throughout life, we've all heard the platitudes of gratitude, but we don't often use them. So watch this. I want to take us to a story. Luke chapter 17, verse number 12. And I want us to go line upon line, and then at the end, I'm going to give you the principles from the passage, but I want us to see how this small thing called thankfulness or gratitude, how it makes a big difference. I don't know about you, but I like doing stuff for people that are thankful. Parents, some of you know the difference, and see, your children will try to play, but you got favorites. No, they're just thankful. And the reason I don't mind doing for that one is because that one says, thank you. I don't have favorites. I just like the ones that are thankful. Okay, it's real quiet in here. That's all right. Luke 17, 12. Now watch this. This is the book of Dr. Luke. Luke was a Gentile physician, and I want you to see this story. He says, then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers. Say lepers who stood afar off. Now, certain village in this passage suggests that the miracle of this story we're getting ready to read isn't limited to the people in it during that time, but it's for anybody. See, this is going to be my story. Uh, please understand, because your neighbor, please understand, if your neighbor doesn't catch this today, uh, they, they may get one part of breakthrough, but not the totality of breakthrough. And I don't know about you, but you ought to be sick and tired of leftovers. You ought to be sick and tired. Of... Say this certain story in this certain village applies to me. Watch this, verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In other words, mercy here. He says, listen, we know we don't deserve for you to be gift to us, but would you do it anyhow? Uh, in other words, watch this. In other words, they were saying, Lord, we know that we rightfully deserve for this leprosy to be present, but we're asking that you would remove it from us. Watch this. They had to speak to Jesus from a distance because they were lepers. And as lepers, they could not have touched him as a Hebrew, or he would have been unclean himself according to the Torah, especially him being a rabbi they could not touch him so they had to stand far off and speak to him but i like verse 14 so when he saw them he said to them go show yourselves to the priests and so it was that as they went they were cleansed look at me harvest watch this jesus never said be healed to them he sent them to the pastor it's quiet in this church. You keep going to Jesus saying, Jesus, won't you fix it? And Jesus says, I gave you a pastor. Go see him. Jesus never said be healed. He sent them to the pastor. And I got good news for you. If you don't have a pastor, we accept a new sheep around here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Touch your neighbor and say, we accept a new sheep. Yes, we are. Their healing came as they went to show themselves. Show, can I teach for a moment? Show is the Greek word epidikinumu. Uh, don't try to spell it, just get the tape. Watch this to the CD. It literally means, watch this, to prove by display. Jesus never said to these 10 men, be healed. Jesus said, go to church. Y'all are missing the simplicity of the text. Uh, he, and he literally said, go show yourself to the priest. Now watch this. It means to prove by displaying themselves to the priest, uh, which in modern terms would just simply be the pastor. Touch the neighbor and say, prove yourself. Now, this was important because in Torah and in the Hebrew culture, you could not self-declare yourself healed because you didn't know the extent of the problem you had. It's a very dangerous thing when people walk around trying to say the problems they do and do not have because they don't understand the depth and the complexity of the problems that they possess in the first place. You ever met somebody that said, oh, I'm fine, but you looked at them and said, well, you're the only one that thinks that. 
Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Have you ever looked at somebody and said, you got X and Y, Z issue, and everybody that's got two eyes and can breathe and has a nose can see that you got some issues, but they're convinced themselves they don't. So in the Hebrew culture, uh, it was determined that you couldn't self-declare yourself healed. The priest had to look at you, and you had to prove to the priest that you were healed. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. So the priests have to look at you and declare that you were healed. Watch this. Because you could not change from wearing the clothes of the unclean until the priest declared that you were clean. Because in that culture, it wasn't just one thing to be unclean. You had to watch this, wear garments that were different so that people from a distance could see that you were unclean. Watch this. I'm going to help somebody. I'm going to go. I'm, uh, let, let's, we're on 225, but I'm going to just go on and take the service exit road at 2A. Watch this. Uh, uh, watch this, watch this. Uh, many people with their issues, they wear their issues and don't even know they got their issue on. These lepers, although that was an issue with their skin, they had to wear clothes that were different than everybody else so that when anybody saw them, they knew that they had an issue. That is the reason why some folk can be sitting up in church and they're wearing their issue on their face. They're wearing their issue when they talk to you on the phone. And you're saying, what's wrong with you? And they're saying nothing. And you're saying, what the heaven are you talking about? Something is clearly going on with you. I can see your issue. Come here. I feel the New Jack Swing era of music come in. It's written all over your face, baby. You didn't have to say a word. Watch this. That's all right. That's all right. So watch this. Jesus said, I'm not calling you healed. Go to church. And as you go to church, you'll be healed. I'm trying to talk to the people who think you're going to do it at your house by yourself. You've been trying that for decades. It ain't never worked. Why don't you try getting yourself a pastor and submitting yourself to your pastor and following the Bible? Jesus didn't heal him. He said, go to church. But I got Jesus at my house. He don't want to talk to you by yourself at your house. He said, go to church. The principle from the passage is that in modern times, through being part of a life-giving church like Harvest, your healing happens. Say, at Harvest, at Harvest. my healing happens. Now, they louder than all the other two sections. Y'all going to need to turn up. Say, at Harvest, at Harvest. My, healing my healing happens. Good. If you don't want to do what the pastor say, you can go somewhere else. As they went, say, as they went. went. Where'd they go? To church. They went to see the pastor, the priest. <laughs> <laughs> touch, touch your neighbor and say, Reverend. Reverend. If you grew up in the South, you know, they don't know nothing about bishops and stuff like that. Now, now they do, but back in the day, they had Reverends. Not Reverend, Reverend. R E U U M. Reverend. <laughs> now, now, watch this. Watch this. You need to understand this. Often in your life, your progress is going to happen by progression. The reason, hear me. Some of you are saying, why hadn't God dealt this and dealt this and done this and done this? It's because God says, I know that if I do all that at one time, you're going to think you did it. And I know that if I do all of that at one time, I'm not going to see you no more. So I leave you, come here, Jacob, with a limp. So that whenever you want to get arrogant and start judging other people, all you got to do is look at your limp and be reminded, I need thee. Come here, old church. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Touch your neighbor say, I need him. I need him. I need him. See, you got real sophisticated and sadiddy and highfalutin, but the rest of us realize, baby, if it was not for the Lord that was on our side, 
I got about 14 witnesses right there, but somebody knows that I'm talking about. Watch this. Being a Christian that puts God first isn't an event. It's a lifestyle. So it's a lifestyle. Uh, no, no, watch this. Watch this. We put, we put Jesus first by making what's important to him important to us. Jesus, I need you to catch the simplicity of that verse. They asked him to heal them, have mercy on us. Well, it was implied that they wanted to be healed because they were lepers. And Jesus didn't say, be healed. He, Jesus said, go to the pastor. And now just go to him, prove yourself to him. Okay, I'll deal with that at 11.15. Uh, verse 15, and one of them, watch this, when he saw that he was healed, which suggests that the others weren't even paying attention to healing because they just thought Jesus was just saying some words. Please understand, if you've been in church for a while, you better be careful about what you take for granted. <clears throat> and, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, look what he did. He returned. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, his feet here being Jesus' feet, giving him what? Thanks. Touch your neighbor. Say, 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 thank you. Say, thank you. Say, thank you. And he was a Samaritan. Watch the verse. This man wasn't in church his whole life. Bishop, how do we know that? He was, he was a Samaritan. And a Samaritan in that day well, was the equivalent of what we would call today someone that is biracial or someone that is a mixed race. Samaritan, meaning that he had a mixed pedigree or a mixed background. In fact, when the Hebrews looked at the Samaritans, they called them dogs. That is why when there was a Samaritan woman, she said, well, Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs off the table. She said, because I already know how your people think about us. Your people already think since we're not pure that we're dogs. So even I can get the crumbs from the table because you already think I'm a dog because you're a Jew. So we know that this man was not a Hebrew. Touch your name and say he wasn't a Hebrew. But for modern times, I mean, he wasn't church. He didn't grow up in church. And I need to say this. Sometimes when you've been in church for a while, you forget to be thankful because you develop a position of pride rather than an attitude of gratitude. And you get used to hearing good word, and so you take it for granted now. And now you got to be fought with to go buy a $5 CD because somehow you forgot that it ain't this good everywhere. And somehow you... All right, that's cool. And notice the next part. He cried out with a loud voice. Watch this. He was loud about his transformation. Uh, can I tell you something? We often like to use our personality quirks and nuances to uh, justify why we don't simply do what the Bible says. I cannot tell you how many people have come. Well, Bishop, I feel, I believe. And what you feel don't mean nothing compared to what he said. What he said trumps what you feel every day, all day. Touch the neighbor, say every day, all day. So watch this. This man, he had been a leper for a long time. And I'm going to deal with leprosy in a minute. He had been a leper for a long time. He had to be in the colony of lepers because the lepers were separated from the general population. Which, watch this. Which means he had to be around other people that same, had the same issue as him. If you look at the circle of people around you, what does it really say about who you are? Because who around you is the same leper as you, which means the folk around you are indicative of what you're really dealing with. And God put, allowed them to be around you. So when you look at them and get disgusted with them, he's saying, but baby, that's you. Oh, God, somebody going to get it today. So this man had to be around lepers. So he sees, he leaves Jesus. And as he leaves Jesus, he's walking and saying, wait a minute. What? What's going on? I, the issue I had when I went to him, when I started going to church, 
when I went to my pastor, all of a sudden I don't have this issue no more. So the man, watch this, has the courage to break free of the ten. Watch this, he's the tithe. The tithe breaks free from the other nine. And the tithe runs back and says, wait a minute. I've been messed up my whole life. We don't know how long it was, but we can certainly uh, use deductive logic to understand and be, uh, have the principle intimated to us that perhaps this man had been that way for a while because he had surrounded himself by like people. This issue I've had all these years, this issue is gone. And the scripture says he cries out with a loud voice. Say loud voice. Here's the point. This man said, my issue that I've had all this time is gone. So he didn't go back and say, Jesus, it's really not my personality to be loud. I don't believe in boisterous praise and worship. I'm, I'm not radical. I'm sophisticated. I'm worshiping Jesus in my heart. Just because I don't do it like you doesn't mean I'm not doing it. That ain't what your 66 say. This Bible here. That's not what the canon says. You know what the canon says? The canon says this man went back and he did a, had a loud voice. In other words, he said, I don't care who hears me. And I don't care who don't like it. Sat somewhere else. But the issues I've had for years, this man just healed those issues. So I'm going to shout about it every chance I get. Where are the people that are thankful, that don't care that their neighbor ain't shouting, but a shout for them. Be seated. Watch this. He was loud about his transformation. But watch this. Let me tell you. Be loud about what's happened for you since you found Jesus. Be loud about what's happened to you. Let me talk to the harvesters since you've been at harvest. Touch your neighbor and say, be loud about it. It's funny because you'll be loud about what you want to be loud about. <laughs> In other words, it suggests pridefulness and arrogance. When the God that saved you, and let's make it real practical because salvation can sometimes be a bit eccentric in its ideology because it sometimes is concerned and deals with eschatology, uh, the end of times, the end of the age. And so sometimes we see it as a thing that's far off rather than something that's very near. So let's just make it real practical. The reason that car accident did kill you. Maybe that's not your street. The reason why when you were drinking and sipping on some scissor. Oh, oh y'all, okay. Maybe that ain't your street. All the dope you didn't smoked. Maybe that's not your street. All the folk you didn't lay down with and didn't cover your y'all ain't gonna say nothing to me. I'll come down your street in a minute. All the bad financial decisions you made. All the co-signing you didn't done in your life and got burnt. I'm going to come down your street in a minute. You might as well shout now because I'm coming down your street. After he's done all of that for you, how dare you sit back like I'm not going to say nothing about what he did. Somebody shout thank you. 
Shout it again. Verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten, watch this word, cleansed? Where are the nine? Notice, Jesus didn't even address his worship at that point. Jesus got angry with the fact that everybody else on your road didn't shout like you just shouted. <laughs> Jesus, he's like, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm fix you in just a minute. Why the rest of them folks ain't shout? Now, it's interesting for Jesus to ask this question because it suggests that the man would have an answer to the question. Look at verse 18. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan, this non-church guy, this non-Hebrew? This is why the reason sometimes people who, who come to God and they're brand new, you'd be like, why are they getting all this breakthrough? It, because, because, because they're thankful for it. And you sitting up here acting, I've been at church every week this year. Like he owes you something because you did what you're supposed to do. I serve faithfully. Supposed to. Jeremiah 48.10 says, curse be the man who doesn't do the work of the Lord. And curse be the man who does it lazily or slackfully. Okay. Uh, can, can I ask you something? One out of ten said thank you. So that gives us a numerical equation. You ever done stuff for people? That's the whole question right there. You ever done stuff for people? (laughs) Now here's the B part of the question. And then you look and say, wow. You couldn't even say. Thank you. Parents, you ever done something for your children? And the truth is, they didn't realize it took you breaking your back to do it. You had to move this, do this, move this, do this, do this, do that, do this, do that. And then Christmas morning, they open it up. Like, man, that's not the one I wanted. Come here, good times. Doggone it. Doggone it. <laughs> Y'all know I couldn't. It ain't the right Sunday. We'll come back next week. I'm going to say it just how to taste. <laughs> well, watch this. Watch this. One out of ten said thank you. So here's what you need to understand about the mathematical equation. is don't expect everybody to say thank you for what you do. In fact, only expect 10% to do it. That's going to help you so you ain't always bitter and angry at people. So that's number one. But here's the next piece. Only one out of the ten, watch this, broke free from the other lepers. Could it be that the nine out of the ten, that some of them wanted to go back and thank Jesus? But some of them were like, but I'm going to leave my dysfunction though. And although I realize I'm changing and I'm not like them anymore. They're all I know. I'm going to help somebody here. Because for some of you, you've been getting healed over and over and over and over again, but you keep going back to the lepers. So you keep recontracting what he healed. 
And you shouldn't have been saying the Lord didn't do it. No, he did it. You just went back around the dysfunction. Well, what's this? What's this? To be epic. Say I'm epic. You have to have the courage to break free from the ungrateful lepers. Now, at the next experience, I'll deal with what leprosy is, and, and I'll explain how, how, how many people uh, have that today in terms of a philosophical and spiritual context. I'll do that at the next one. But look at verse 19. And he said to them, arise. Now, notice Jesus doesn't even allow the man to respond. He's just like, really? So you came back to give me glory, and the rest of them didn't? Which tells us that the rest of them were in the process of healing, too. They just didn't recognize it or realize it. Because Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Look what Jesus says. Now, remember, it starts out by saying cleansed. Say cleansed. Uh, Depending on your translation, it may have said healed. Look at verse 19. And he said to him, arise. Touch your name and say, get up. Go your way. Your faith has made you cleansed. No. Your faith has made you well. Now, here's what I need you to get. The word healed or cleansed, say healed and well, are two different things. The word healed is the Greek katharizo, which means cleansed, but you still have a hole. If you still have a hole, then you have to continually purge to keep that hole cleansed. Uh, okay, maybe I do have to tell you what leprosy was so that you get an understanding of it. Leprosy, in many instances, and it was contracted a few different ways. Some uh, believe that it could have been genetically. There was a genetic predisposition to someone contracting leprosy. But leprosy was also now, watch this, watch this, the body's inability to feel pain. Uh I'm going to help somebody. Watch this. So what would happen in many instances is that a leper would cut themselves but not know that they had cut themselves. So that cut would remain open and it would get infected. Infected to the place to where now it would spread to other parts of their body to where the lesions, et cetera, et cetera, that you sometimes associate with leprosy would now become visible. Watch this. Because of repeated injuries, many lepers lack the ability to feel pain and thus loss of parts of their extremities because of the repeated injuries. I don't think you got what I just said. Say, in the natural... In the spirit. So Paul teaches us a lesson that things that appear in the natural are painting spiritual pictures. So check this out. Leprosy works like this in the spirit. You've been hurt so much that you've lost your ability to feel pain, but you don't know you're infected. And because you don't feel pain, you think you're well. Let me talk over here because they ain't saying nothing to me. So because you don't feel pain, you think, well, I've dealt with that. I've conquered that. I've gotten past that. No, you just don't talk about that. That's why you think you're over that. But the moment it comes up, your blood begins to boil. Your knees start to move. You can see the anger over your face. No, maybe you've got spiritual leprosy. Watch this. It works like this. The infections are without symptoms and can remain that way from five to as long as 20 years. (laughs) Which means somebody can be infected, but not see the visible manifestation of their infection until the infection has gotten to know them so well that it's a five-year-old friend. All right, Bishop, so, so what's the point here? What's the point here? 
So the guys getting healed suggests that while they were cleansed, they still had this vacancy. They still had this proclivity. They still had, please understand, let, 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 me, let me see if I can do it like this. Let me see if I can do it like this. Um, from a psychological standpoint, addictive behaviors, addictions, whatever the addiction is to, the addictive behavior, people often deal with the fruit of it, but don't deal with the root of it. Addictive, addictive behavior are often a coping mechanism to deal with a deeper issue. So whether it's a fear of rejection, a fear of failure, whatever. So, so the addictive behavior is simply a way to now not have to deal with what's trying to be dealt with. So then a person will turn to alcohol, which is a depressant, as a way to get joy, but it only, pro, pro, it only continues the cycle because what they're trying to do is to get rid of the problem by uh, anesthetize, uh, 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 giving anesthesia. There it is. Watch this, 950. Y'all ain't saying nothing, so my words are good. <laughs> Anesthetizing, there it is, <laughs> the issue. But so what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Is that, so if they stop drinking, you think, oh, they're healed. No, they're cleansed. Because that was the fruit. Let's dig to find out what's the root. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. So you think to yourself, well, I'm not promiscuous anymore. Well, that's nice. You shouldn't be. But that may mean you were cleansed. But did we ever deal with why you started laying down in the first place? Well, I ain't going to say nothing to me. And Jesus says, I don't just want to fix your fruit, baby. I'm the God that wants to heal your root. I want you to find out why you are that way so that it never returns. So watch the text. Healed, cleansed, but still have a hole. But Jesus says to this man, your faith has made you well, which is the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O which means made whole and no longer leaking. Nine of them got cleansed but still had the hole. The thankful one. Come on in here, somebody. The thankful one. Any thankful people in the house today? The thankful one, Jesus said, I'm going to make you whole to where you ain't going to have this issue packed back. This issue's never popping back up in your life again. Somebody say thank you. Now, this isn't to suggest that this man would never have another issue, but certainly not the same issue. Watch this. Because if you keep needing healing, it means you're constantly hurting. So let me give you now the principles of the passage, and I'm done. The first principle, note takers, say thank you. That's it. Say thank you. Thank you. Watch this. Let me give you the encapsulated principles from the passages. Say it again. Say thank you. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this. In everything, give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Look at me, Harvest. I may not be thankful for it yet. But I will be thankful in it. Listen, what's the difference? Oftentimes, you're going to have to get out of it to be thankful for it. Because you'll look back. I remember I went through a time and I, I, just, I said, my God, this hurts like some stuff. And watch this. I wasn't thankful for it. 
until I look back at all the changes it created in me. Which means you may not be thankful for whatever you're going through right now, but you must be thankful in whatever you're going through right now. Because when you look back in just a few months, you're going to say, I'm so glad that so-and-so betrayed me. I'm so glad that this situation happened. Uh, Watch this. This man's gratitude brought him plenitude, abundance, full, complete. Say, I'm thankful. Which means whatever you find yourself in, be thankful. If you in a messed up situation, be thankful. If you in some stuff that makes you want to holler, holler thank you. Now, now watch this. Watch this. Number two principle from the passage. Thank you turns up in praise and worship. I'm coming back around this again because y'all didn't get it the first three times I said it. So I'm going to come. We'll just keep circling them out until we get it. That's okay. Hey, you'll tire before I do. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 15. Now, turns up is a uh, urban colloquialism, which, which means negative things. So for us as believers in Jesus Christ, it just means get excited. Now, and you understand this. Praise and worship is, is, is not the part where you watch somebody else sing. And you're like, wow, I like the way so-and-so sung. It's not a concert. If so, we're going to charge at the dough. I'm just saying, we're going to get the cover charge at the dough. That's not what this is. Praise and worship is where we together corporately, say together. Yes. Where we together corporately now give God the, the fruit and the praise and the worship that he's due. And I've taught on that before. So when we lift our hands, when we shout, when we dance, when we do all those things, those are all biblical things that God said, I want that from you. Because here's the deal. You did it at the club. And for some of you, maybe you weren't the club generation. You were the house party generation. With your blue light. Or red light. Depending on what your local store had available. Here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. For the, now, let's just be honest. You're at Harvest, so you don't have to act, you know, pretentious and pontificate and all that. You can just be honest. Such names, be honest. How many folk, you had some clubbing days in your life? Come on, be honest. Thank you for your honesty. How many of you didn't have clubbing days? You had house party days. Come on, be honest. All right, great. How many of you didn't do nothing? You just went to church all the time. Where the liars at? Where the liars at? Let me see. Where the liars at? No, no I'm joking. <laughs> see, them church was the ones you had to watch out for because the moment they got a little bit of... your daddy to pass the way. Ain't your mama to, what you in here doing? Sit yourself. Sit your, you, you, you. Now what'd you do at the club or the house party or whatever you did? You lifted your hands. You shouted. Bishop, what do you mean I shouted? Ooh, that's my jam. Play that again. Mr. DJ wants to play that again. So now that you came to Jesus, well, all of a sudden, you're going to wipe that pickle juice up off your face and act like you serve a God that picked 
All we do is win. That's what we do. And our hands go up and they stay there. Watch this. Be seated. Hebrews 13, 5. Give me some scripture. Give me a scripture. Hebrews 13, 5. Here it is. I ain't the right scripture. Did I write it down wrong? 13, 15. 13, 15. There it is. You read it. One, two, ready, read. Somebody say thank you. So the Bible says a sacrifice. Here's what a sacrifice means. It means, truth be told, I don't have it in liberality. See, it ain't a sacrifice of praise when you just got a promotion. It's a sacrifice of praise when they said, mm, we probably going to let you go. It ain't a sacrifice of praise when everybody loves you. It's a sacrifice of praise when they send you a text and say, I don't want to be with you no more. Because, you know, they won't talk to your face no more. They'll send you a message. That's what they do now. That's how they do it. That's what they do. It, it's, it's, not a, it's not a sacrifice of praise when you feel like doing it. It's a sacrifice of praise when it makes no sense why you're doing it. So I don't want to talk to the people who feel great right now about everything going on in your life. I want to talk to the people that got some situations and some circumstances going on to where this next 20-second praise you give God is a sacrifice. It makes no sense why I'm giving it to him, but he... The sacrifice of praise. Get out of yourself and give him the sacrifice... The sacrifice of pr- I'm shouting and don't know why. I'm, I'm clapping and. Seventeen more seconds. I don't need no music. I am the band. I am the choir. Be seated. Watch this. He said, give me the sacrifice. And I understand if you're very cerebral in nature, and and I understand that. And I understand if you're very pedagogical in nature, if you came up in a very liturgically oriented environment. (laughs) To where you didn't do that in church. In church, you just... But you're out of order. The book said, do it with a loud voice. And the book said, do it when it don't make no sense why you're doing it. That's what makes it a sacrifice. So watch this. Watch this. Because you sacrifice for them Broncos. You go to work, don't have no voice. Monday through Thursday, shouting over some man throwing a piece of pig skin. Ain't that what it is? Not pig skin, whatever. Leather ass, because I hope you don't need... <laughs> I'm being facetious. Here's the next one. I only got, only, got, uh, only got three more. You ready? So what's the first thing we learned from this passage? Say thank you. The second thing, thank you turns up. Here's the third one. Thank you terminates complaining and grumbling. 
thank you, terminates complaining and grumbling. 1 Corinthians 10.10 says this, and do not grumble, complain. As some of them did, and they were killed. This one, this one cleans it up. The, the original says, and they were killed by the destroying angel. New King James cleaned it up and says, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. But, but the original says, and they were killed by the destroying angel. Watch what this. Look at the name and say, quit complaining. A complaint is anything that brings attention to what you won't change. Let me tell you something. Quit complaining. My children, whoop them then. In accordance with your local, state, and federal laws, you do whatever your law says. I'm not endorsing any kind of illegal activity. Okay, listen. Okay, but who's in charge? Are you their leader or their friend? Now, what you going to be? They'll love you later, but right now they need you to lead them. Y'all go get your nails together done later, but right now they need you to run them. They need you to tell them what to do. Especially the ones, since y'all ain't going to say nothing, I'm going to go on and dig right here. Especially the ones that rebel and act like they don't want nobody telling them what to do. They're the main ones that want some structure. They're the main ones that want you to tell them, you better be in this house and not 931, not 932. Let them street lights come on, baby. It'll be me and the rest of I, I, Stop complaining about your job. What solutions have you given to your supervisor to fix the problem? Well, I just don't like our system. Well, come up with a better one. If not, then shut your mouth because you ain't adding to no success. You're just widening the deficit. I can't stand folk that complain with no solution. What's your solution? Touch your neighbor and say, I'm not a complainer. See, you have to call things that be not. Whenever we're tempted to complain from this day forward, here's all we have to do is turn that complaint into thank you. Next time you're, you're tempted to complain about your automobile. Is somebody praying to have? Next time you're complaining about this and complaining about that, realize there's somebody that would wish to have your problem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, so next time we're tempted to complain, here's what we do. We just flip that complaint into a thank you. Whenever you want to act a fool, just say thank you. What am I thankful for, Bishop? I'm thankful that this is a chance for me to grow and mature. A challenge is an opportunity for me to grow and mature. You don't get strong at the gym by lifting the five-pound weight for 10 years. What you're going to have is a nicely worked-out elbow. I mean, your elbow going to be like, look at my elbow. Throw bows, literally. That's all you're going to throw is just the elbow. You're going to have to put a heavier level of resistance to increase your strength. So in life, when resistance comes, you say, thank you. Why? Because the Lord just declared to me he can trust me with more weight. Touch your neighbor and say, you're strong in the spirit. Next, thank you, transfers. Thank you, transfers. Thank you, transfers. When we pray, we transfer the right to worry. When we pray, we transfer the right to worry. Worry is being overwhelmed by something you can't change. You ever sat there and worried about something, the truth is you can't change? 
in hopes that your worry was going to somehow change it. Thank you for the five of y'all that's telling the truth. And have you ever noticed how worry comes at the most inopportune times? Some of y'all, you're going to leave church and hit that door and worry going to be like, well, what about this now? Oh, my God, oh, my God. And you're going to forget everything you just heard. Okay, so we got to end that. We got we 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 to shift the epic. Watch this. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Philippians 4, 6 says this. It says, be careful for nothing or worry about nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by what? Prayer. Prayer is you praying for yourself. Supplication. Supplication is like supplementing. That's when you pray for other Christians. All right, so let me just go on and correct this. I've done it on a Wednesday. Let me do it on a weekend. Supplication. Leave the scripture up for a moment, please. Supplication. Uh, if, you, if you came up in church, you, you maybe heard this term intercessor. Anybody heard the term intercessor? People like, I'm an intercessor. Okay, well, that just probably means they were unlearned. Because an intercessor is somebody that pray To intercede is to go to God on behalf of someone that can't go on their own. So an unbeliever can't go to God except for the purposes of salvation because prayer is a privilege of the covenant and the covenant is only enjoyed by those that have received the gift of salvation. Did you get what I just said? All right, so, so you intercede for people who can't go to God on their own, but you don't intercede for somebody that's got full access on their own. You make supplication, which is very similar to supplementing. So, but in everything by prayer. So that's for me. And supplication, pray for other people. Can I tell you, can I tell you, when I pray for other pastors, as a bishop and all that, when I pray for other pastors, it's so exciting to me. And whatever, whatever I felt heavy about or whatever was going on or whatever was going on, please understand, uh, when I pray for other pastors, it, it instantly lifts off me. Why? Because the scripture says, don't worry or be anxious for nothing, which is just another word to say, don't worry. But in everything, by prayer, say, I'm praying for myself. In supplication, look at your neighbor say, I'm praying for you. If you don't know him, look at him and say, I'm praying for you. You ain't got to know him. Just look at him. With what? Thanksgiving. Here it is again. Let your request be made known unto God. So, so check this out. When we pray and pray for others and when we're thankful, we transfer the right to worry. I transfer the right to worry to the God that actually can do something about it. And when I transfer it to him, here's what I found out about him. He never sleeps. And he never slumbers. Which means since he's going to be up all night anyhow, ain't no sense in me being up too. I'm going to tell somebody tonight, don't you dare stay up worried about that thing. You go to sleep and you sleep well. Are you not hear what I'm saying? Because your God is going to be up in the middle of the night. Your God is going to be up in the midnight hour working behind the scenes, fixing and orchestrating because I transferred the right to worry. Last one. Here it is. This is my favorite. Thank you, treasures. And when I use the word treasures here, I liken it to remember. Thank you, treasures. Thank you, remembers. If you treasure something, you remember it. It's important to you. Got it? Uh, every time people, um, harvesters, uh, harvesters love their pastor and their pastor loves them. And so, amen. Now, here's the deal. Uh, every, every, every gift I'm ever getting, every card I'm ever given, every letter I'm ever written, every, you know, thank you note, I'm, everything I'm ever given, I treasure it. So I keep every single thing. And I've done that. We, we started 
harvest eight years ago from scratch with nothing. And we've seen God do great things. But everything since that day, and even before that, but everything since that day, I keep and I treasure. And then uh, every few months we'll, or every you know, several months, what have you, we'll take them and we'll put them in these collages. Because everywhere I frequent on any of our campuses, I want to be able to look at that and, and see the thank yous. So that whenever I'm tempted to complain, I say thank you. Here's the point. I treasure it. Got it? And when the kids, when kids come to me from King's kids and something like that, and they say, Bishop, I colored this for you, you know, and it's like a piece of color up here, color over here. <laughs> Ain't none of the characters in the paper color, just some color down here, some color over here. I keep that. Because I said, that kid thought enough to why everybody else was coloring for their own personal collection. <laughs> They said, I'm going to make bishops of them. Here's the point. Thank you's treasure they remember. Can I tell you something? You didn't make it to where you at on your own. Now, I know you might feel that way, but what you need to know is it's some generations before you of some folk that were praying because they knew one day you were going to be born. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I'm through. Psalm 103 2. Thank you, treasures. It remembers. Psalm 103 2. Watch the psalmist. Look what he says. Bless the Lord. Lord, here's all caps, which means it's God's covenant name. It's his actual name. God is not God's name. God is a title. God comes from the 6th century Germanic term, Gudan, which is a title for source or deity. God's name is Yetheh The Jews adored that name so much, they said, don't take the name in vain. So they just say the name. When we see this, we're not talking about some abstract name that God was given throughout time. We're talking about his actual literal name, which is yod heh Yahweh in the Hebrew, Jehovah in the English. Watch it. Bless Yahweh. Oh, my mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. That's what your soul is. Bless Yahweh, God. Oh, my mind, thoughts, will, and emotion. Watch this next part. And treasure or forget not all his benefits. Y'all don't understand what I'm saying. Uh, The psalmist was saying, when you start going through another valley, you'll forget that it was Yahweh that got you through that that got you through that valley. Well, watch this. So he says, don't forget his benefits. You know why we're reminded not to forget? Be seated because I'm going to shout myself in a minute. If you don't shout, I'm cool with it. We're reminded not to forget. You know why? Because he knew that we would. Y'all know I like movies. I'm going to see the movie Equalizer. And, uh, and Denzel acted his uh, sanctified soul off in that movie. I liked it. He, uh, he did a good job. Not used to seeing him in that kind of way. You know, he's kind of ruthless. And then they say, sit down and go tell the nation what to do. What are you doing? That's too. Saying <laughs> so, from the movie I'm talking about. And in this movie, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, you you should have went to see it. It came out on Friday. You had Friday, Saturday, Saturday, 
And you could have got to the 7 o'clock show. That, well, no. No, you still be in it. So. These are personal problems, y'all. These are personal problems. Basically, you can, you, can, you can deduce from the title, The Equalizer, that he is fixing the inequities that take place in people's lives. So, therefore, he is bringing equality, and he is equalizing the playing field. Basically, he, people make all these messes. He'd see something going on, and he'd go behind the scenes and fix the mess. And then they all of a sudden come out, oh, my God, life is so great. And he's like, is that right? <laughs> I can't do Denzel, but, you know, y'all know Denzel. <laughs> Is that right? And they didn't know that he was behind the scene fixing the mess. They just woke up and the mess was gone. Two things, and then I'm getting ready to close. Uh, the first thing is I thought to myself, oh, that's the equalizer? I said, I've been doing that my whole life. I've been fixing people's mess in the back office so that when they got in front of the people, they looked all right. The people didn't know all the hell I had to clean up for other people just so that they could. I said, I've been equalizing for years. Ain't nobody made me no movie. <laughs> but then, but then, second thing. They're knowing this man gave them benefits. that others that didn't know him didn't have. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit of story. One of the girls was, shall we say, Rahab-esque. You know Rahab's story? She was an around-the-way girl. She had bamboo earrings, at least two pairs. She... And one of the girls in the movie was like that. But, but she got, she just got in this life, and I'll let you go see it. She got in this life. I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but listen, this action and all that. So you're going to be, wow, this is what Bishop was talking about. So now you can make spiritual principles, and now you can be very deep and spiritual. So now tomorrow when you go to work, you can say, I saw this movie. Let me tell you what the Lord said. It's going to be real deep tomorrow at work. Watch this. One of the girls, in fact, most people had these very, very, very messed up backgrounds and pedigrees. But because they knew this man... And they didn't know that this man had a benefits package that meant when you messed with them, he took it as if you were messing with him. I know a man, somebody going to get this today, that when you mess with me, you mess with my God. And one of the benefits, that word benefits in Hebrew means gamol, which means recompense or reward. It means benefits. It means dessert. Let me just slow it down because I want you to get it. Psalm 103.2. Here it is. Psalm 103.2. Come on. Come on. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and treasure, or don't forget, his benefits. What are his benefits, Bishop? His benefits are his recompense. That means he pays you back. So everybody's saying, it just seemed like I wasted all those years. Ooh, you forgot the benefits. It seemed like I wasted so much time with this and that and this and that and this and that. Ooh, baby, you forgot the benefits. 
Bishop, I put so much into this person and I invested so much into this person and I did this and I did this and I did this and I did that and I just wasted 17 years of my life. Ooh, baby, you forgot the benefits because God says, I'll pay you back. That's part of the benefits plan. But then it says reward. Touch your neighbor and say reward. reward. But then, generically, also benefit. But these last two definitions got me real excited. It means as God has served. Verse, and don't forget what God has served. Now, it's very, very interesting that the scripture would suggest that somehow God served his creation. Because the creator should never serve that which was created. But this Hebrew word, their benefit, gimol, it literally means don't forget what God has served you. Where did he serve me, Bishop? I I feel it right here. And I'm getting ready to shout myself right up out this auditorium. And he prepares a table. For me. In the presence of my enemies. What did he serve you? He served you that you could go to hell. But come back licking an ice cream cone. He served you that no matter what's come against you, you keep getting back up. Just your neighbor say, he served me well. He served. And it means, watch this. I'll deal with this more at the next experience. I'm out of time. It literally means dessert. Now, I'm into this new eating good thing. And so I try to limit my refined sugar intake because it's not good for us. That white sugar ain't right. That white flour ain't right. That white bread ain't right. That does taste good. Make for a good fish sandwich, don't it? Put you some fish on it with some hot sauce. What's this? God says, not only do I prepare to, I'll deal with this in detail at the next experience. He says, not only do I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He said, but don't forget to stay for dessert. You've been so rushed and trying to just get out of the hell you've been going through. God says, you left before I served you dessert. You quit coming to church right before I gave you dessert. You quit serving right before I was getting ready to give you dessert. You quit praying right before I put... Touch your neighbor say, stay for dessert. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday 
feel the whoa with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. 